Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. It is another Thursday show, uh, actually first one of the month. Uh, this is your host, Jim Ventura. If it's your first time uh, joining me here on Snake Oil Radio, welcome. And if you've been here before, welcome also. Uh, anyway, uh, my name is Jim Ventura. I am a writer and an author, and a, uh, I do a monthly column called Snake Oil, which I'm going to read our uh, I'm going to read my my monthly column today on air, and then talk a bit about that. I'm also a uh, teacher, and I do uh, navigational consultations. Uh, I am a tarot card reader and astrologer, and numerologist, and there's a lot of different types of oracles that I have mastered over the years and do private sessions with people in person and uh, over the phone. Uh, it's information about all of that on my website as well as uh, my books and all that good stuff, so I may bring that up a little bit later on. But uh, I want to focus today's show on talking a bit about today's monthly column. Uh, I started doing uh, Snake Oil, the column, uh, back in 2003, 2004, and uh, have been doing it for uh, obviously a number of years now. Uh, I'm going to put out our call-in number in about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, the first show of the month is always a discussion about my current column, so I'm going to read that, talk about that for a little bit before I take guest calls. So uh, we'll have to be patient on that one. Uh, some of the later shows uh, that I do uh, on Thursdays during the week I have more time uh, to do more uh, uh, call-ins, but I will be able to take uh, one or two today as well. So anyway, uh, if you're not already getting the column, uh, feel free to email me at VenturaWords at Mac.com or at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com, and uh, you can be added to my free mailing list to get my monthly newsletter. Okay, so uh, this month's column, I want to read this to you uh, on air here, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, is called uh, this month's column is called Mirror Mirror. Uh, a few weeks before the restaurant that I had spent the last two years working at closed, the owner went on a bit of a rant one day. It was another painfully slow Friday lunch where only he and I worked. He had confided in me that unless we suddenly got a lot busier or found some new financial backing, we'd have to close the restaurant permanently within the next few weeks. He was understandably angry and frustrated by the situation. He needed to let off some steam, so I kept my mouth shut while he complained. Uh, his complaints went something like this. The people in Phoenix don't appreciate excellent quality food. They prefer mediocre crap. They're going to be sorry when they find out we're no longer here. Hell, they only show up once or twice a year to eat here. They see us as a special occasion spot. How are we supposed to survive if people don't frequent the restaurant? Even with all the excellent reviews we've received, they still aren't coming. I think I might just pack it all up and get out of the stupid town once and for all. Well, it's never pleasant to let someone dump their anger your way. I knew it wasn't directed at me. I could see that he really just needed an ear. He wasn't wrong in some respects. There was some truth in his words. We had amazing food, and most people raved about it but our numbers were not supporting the positive feedback we got. Still, something about the situation listening to him made me uncomfortable. I was happy when a couple walked in for lunch. It was my job to take care of them, and it got me out of the uncomfortable conversation. 
This wasn't the first time I'd heard that no one appreciates my excellent story. I'd heard it many times before. As an advertising art major in college, I'd heard all kinds of complaints about people lacking in sophistication and ability to recognize true talent. A few years ago, I attended a barbecue with an actor friend of mine. Most of the people at the barbecue were a few years younger than me. The majority of them were either actors, directors, or writers. In one form or another, all of them were connected with the performing arts. It was a cool, eclectic, attractive group of people. The food was actually quite good, and it was an enjoyable party. The only thing that tainted the night was that a number of the people I talked to were frustrated about being broke. I had heard stories from a few struggling artists about how most people didn't appreciate real art and quality theater. It was near impossible to be successful in a town that doesn't value good actors or pay them well for their skills. Most people crave crappy Hollywood movies and television sewage. They don't appreciate good writing and great acting. I heard many of these and similar versions of this type of complaint a few many times that night. There was an excess of poor, unappreciated me stories. So here I was again listening to a very likable, talented person complaining about how stupid people were. His anger was clearly masking how powerless he felt and that he might have failed his endeavor. I didn't say much to him that day, but I kept thinking about the endless suggestions that I and a few of the other servers had made to him in the last year. We suggested he get an, he, he keep an advertising budget. He didn't. We suggested he put local ads in gay publications to advertise the restaurant. Gay and lesbians are tremendously loyal to businesses that advertise to them and typically don't mind paying extra for quality. He ignored that suggestion. We suggested he do morning local talk shows and volunteer to cook recipes from the restaurant on air. He didn't. We suggested he kiss the asses of the nearby hotel concierge so they spend more, send more of their guests staying in the hotels our way. He didn't do that either. He followed the belief that since he had created something amazing, people would find their way to it. This worked to some extent. Some people found us, but most never knew we even existed. We were invisible in many ways. Our location and lack of visibility was a serious detriment to the restaurant's potential success. If more people had been aware of us, I believe we would have been quite successful. Even with his mistakes and stubbornness, the owner, who I considered a friend, was a man with guts, a gambler, and very intelligent. He often told some really funny stories, was far from ordinary, and was a genuinely likable guy. About a week before the restaurant closed, I had a few days when I was feeling a little bit under the weather. I decided to hide from the world and rest for a few days. I caught some extra sleep and prioritized shaking off a slight cold. It was during the time of my retreat that I realized I was holding a similar set of beliefs. The reason the owner's people of stupid rant bothered me so much was because he was mirroring many of my own limited beliefs. I had complained a number of times in similar ways about my own business. From time to time, when my business got slow and income was a bit tighter, I would complain. People don't appreciate the valuable work that I do. Most people would rather read a stupid magazine's astrology column or follow Chelsea Handler's dog's Twitter page rather than read my far more insightful columns and books. Seriously, her dog has more than a million followers on Twitter. Many of my clients see me as a once-a-year or, or at best a special occasion visit. Most people just don't want to want to complain about the problems they're experiencing, do nothing to try and solve them. My books and all of my columns are equal to and far better than many metaphysical authors, yet they would rather read crap. They don't want to spend a little extra money to work with someone with real skill and talent. 
people aren't interested in real insight. They prefer only spending 20 bucks for quick shock readings at psychic fairs. These and a few of my other rants were very similar to what I heard from my friend that day. There were times when I found uh, I've uh, been frustrated by slow periods in my business or a lack of class attendance and book sales. I found myself thinking and sometimes torturing my friends with complaints like these when I ran into tight times. What I realized during my retreat was that most of the things I was suggesting to the owner that he ignored were really suggestions I was giving myself. I knew that many people appreciated my counseling work, my classes, my columns, and books, but in many ways I had been invisible. I've rarely advertised. I haven't sent my columns to other magazines or advertised my books at all in the last few years. How could people find out about my writing and other talents if they were never exposed to them? I distanced myself from doing lectures and classes in local bookstores for the last few years. I was currently only reaching a small audience because I wasn't putting myself out there to reach more people. Hiring a, a few publicists, doing more radio shows, and getting my lazy ass out into the world in a larger way was what I really needed to do. People rarely magically show up at your door. They need to know you exist to find you. I can continually remind my clients that we often react most strongly to people that mirror elements within us. They often exaggerate, sometimes in an almost cartoon-like way, the worst and best elements of ourselves. This can be hard to see, even for the metaphysically evolved person, when the mirrors aren't comfortable ones. I was guilty of playing the struggling artist who is an appreciated game. When you're frustrated or experiencing difficulties, it's easy to assign blame and complain. The problem is this takes away from the positive, assertive use of creative energy and talents that we all have. There was another gift that came from my part-time job coming to an end. I uncovered a strong negative core belief that was limiting my success and can now weed it out once and for all. Okay, so that is my uh, that was my monthly column, and this is uh, was a very personal one in that sense. And uh, I have about 700 people that are currently getting my column, and apparently, a couple of people were uh, maybe potentially bothered by this piece for some reason, and and asked to uh, discontinue their their uh, <laughs> their receiving the column. Um, I always have to laugh because I think in a lot of cases when people do that, it doesn't really have anything to do with with the with the actual column that I read. I think in, in some cases they just don't read my column anyway, and they get too much email and they decide they want to get rid of one of the uh, the better things that comes their way. Uh, but in some cases maybe they do read it, and I would have to think that someone that would be really offended by this or uncomfortable with it would really be in kind of a bad space. In fact, you know, I had someone from the radio show a couple of months ago that asked to receive the column and was very, very pushy about a number of things, and then uh, after two months of receiving the column, asked to be discontinued from it. And um, uh, I don't use names, of course, but she was pushing at her boyfriend to uh, ask him to marry her and was very eager to find out when that was going to happen. Um, you know, uh, coming from a, a guy's perspective, even a girl's perspective, you know, someone pushing at you to do that probably isn't going to make you really, really want to, you know, jump up and down about asking someone to marry you when they're pushing at you toward it. Uh, but then we don't know what the circumstances is. You know, they could have been together for many years, and he could have been dragging his feet also. Anyway, so uh, again, uh, I, I actually, for me as a writer, um, when people react to something, you know, whether for good or for bad, I, I kind of like that. 
Uh, I see I've got a caller. I'm going to take that call in just a couple of minutes here, so uh, just hang on there. And uh, But I do want to say a couple more things about this, then I'm also going to throw up the call-in number for anyone else that's listening and then wants to call in and wants to comment on the uh, subject we're talking about here today, or even if you've got a personal question and you want to do you ask a question of me, and I'll pull a quick oracle for you. Uh, I do have to keep these, uh, well, this show's not a long show, so I do have to keep these down to five minutes or so when I answer a question for someone. Um, so, uh, But we will still, we'll still get to it. Certainly the people that are already in line on the phone will be able to get to you. Uh, so anyway, so again, the point I wanted to make with this, and I may talk a little bit about this more after I take a few calls, is you know I think you know not everyone around us mirrors everything back you know what I mean we we there are it's really again it's often the people that we act, react most strongly to so in either case you know the reaction is really something that they're showing back uh, parts of ourselves and and the and the boss and the man that I worked for when I did this job was a really really great guy I mean he was really a, an interesting character he definitely mirrored a lot of elements within me and then there's many things that he didn't. Uh, some of them were really quite positive also. Uh, but sometimes we often even react to people who are repeating patterns, in essence, from our childhood. You know what I mean? Like someone who is bothering us at work, maybe one of our sisters in, in terms of the energy pattern that we're, we're experiencing, which again may not be a reflection of us, just something that we're also drawing to us because we have unresolved, unfinished business in that area uh, as well. The good news is you know, I actually started doing some marketing with my business, and now I'm actually getting very busy. Um, it worked far more effectively than I even originally thought it would. So definitely a, a good situation. I still got a lot of work to do to get my books and my writing out there as well. But um, yes, my uh, at least basic advertising uh, from my business really worked very, very effectively. And uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, if we have time. Uh, I'm going to throw the call-in call number here and then start taking the callers that I already have uh, waiting on the line here. If you'd like to call in and you have a comment, question uh, about the subject today or just your own question you want to ask, that call-in number is you probably have to dial a 1 first, but that number is 646-200-3966. Uh, again, that's 1-646-200-3966. And I may throw that back up in a little bit, but I think I'm going to take our first caller here today because they've been patiently waiting for about 20 minutes now. Okay, let me see if I can get you on the air here. Hello, 610, you're on the air. Hi. Um, Hi, who's this? My name's Eileen. Eileen, how how are you today, Eileen? Sorry. Good, how are you? Good, good. Um, I appreciate your patience. I know you came in early. So... (laughs) Well, I was just wondering um, if you had any uh, clues uh, on how my marriage crisis will go, will turn out? Uh, that you're going through now? Yeah. Okay. Um, let me see. I think I'm going to pull a rune stone for you, and we'll see what we kind of get in terms of what your action is, and then I'll see what I can pick up about that. Um, you know what? I, I have to actually say that I think that what I'm kind of picking up here is there is a a good and a bad to this in that sense. I think that the bad side of it is, you know, I think using the right terminology, it may feel a little bit like a crisis at this point uh, in that sense uh, in the marriage, and it may be kind of a tough passage 
that you're going through. Um, I pulled a rune, and I'm going to tell you what that means in a, in a minute or so. But uh, just from an intuitive level, I keep kind of getting that the process that you're going through is kind of a growth thing to kind of clear an old pattern or a situation. I'm also kind of picking up that there's a lot of, um, I almost feel like a lot of this comes from issues with communication, either a lack of it or, or negative somehow that have yep. come to surface at this point. How long have you been married? Uh, I think about 28 years. Oh, so a long time, right. Uh, yeah, did you get married that. really young? Yeah, 21. Yeah, so that that's pretty young. Um, you know, I have this theory, and I, many people have listened before have heard me say this before, too, that um, that I don't think people should get married before 30 anymore. Um, if you've already done that, there's pretty much obviously no turning back. You know, but I, the reason I don't think so is I think that people really need to go through a process in a lot of cases of, of, of dating other people and kind of sowing their oats and getting that out of their system. I think when people marry young, it's a lot of responsibility and, and intense commitment thrust in very early before many of us are ready for it. Uh, you know, you know, back in you know in the 1500s when the average lifespan was 60. You know, 65, if you were lucky, it kind of made sense to marry earlier. But now that we're, you know, we're living a lot longer to 80, 90, 100, and, and some people beyond that, you know, the idea of being in a, in a marriage for for 60 or 70 years is kind of uh, not very plausible in that sense. Well, actually, I think it's moving towards no marriage because I think yeah, the, I, I, being in a relationship I, more than three months is getting to be hard. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're absolutely right. I think that, too. That's why I think the, the, the religious right often gets kind of upset with um, heterosexuals living together without children or not marrying or uh, homosexuals ruining marriage. And, and I think you, you really, really nailed it. It's just that the, the system itself, a lot uh, more and more people are not really interested in it. And that no, I mean, whether, whether it's called marriage or living together, I meant that type of relationship. I, I, yeah. I just think they're all not lasting much anymore. Yeah, they're just not holding together in the same way. So... What I well, and here's the thing. I feel like um, it's almost like the crisis that you guys are in. Is, is I keep hearing the words that keep sort of saying that the contract has to be renegotiated entirely if it's going to go forward. In that mm -hmm. sense, the issue that I'm getting is 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 he in a is he in a negotiating space at all? Right now, it would appear not. No. Yeah. Because it, yeah, I, I would I would wonder about that because it feels like there's some type of a shutdown that's going on here, in that sense. Are you guys still communicating? Is he still there in that sense? Uh, you know, recently because of some incidents with the kids, we had to replace a car together and we had to do, go to lawyers together for one of the kids. And um, basically, he was blowing up at me in public for no reason. And right. He's just not even making sense. He's just like. Looking for the slightest reason to start yelling at me. Right, right. You know where and 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 where does this? You know, if you look back in your own past, you know, I always like to say, when when you look at the spouse that you're with, who did you marry? Did you marry your mother or your father? And it sounds like a funny question, but you know, usually, unfortunately, we, we often tend to marry the person who shows the most dysfunctional element of one of the parents. But, but this isn't what he was. I mean, this is like a new him. I don't know yeah. what it's... It's like he doesn't want to... I think he's made a decision and he doesn't want to remember... He doesn't want right. any input to contradict what he's thinking. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, it feels like he's kind of in um he's 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 made certain decisions about what he wants in his life. I feel like he's projecting a lot on you that even has little to do with you. Oh, he blames you for everything. Why he has no male yeah. friends, why everything right. from the kitchen sink on Absolutely. up. Yeah. I feel like yeah, I mean I feel like he's 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 very much taking a victim posture at this point. So kind of what I see here is it feels to me like um Really, in essence, what I see as part of a clearing here is, are the, are the kids, um, do you have children that are under 18 in the house? Uh, there's one that's 18 and one that's under 18, and then a 20-year-old and a 22-year-old. Okay. Because what I'm kind of feeling like is going on here with this is, I'll, I'll tell you what the rune says, because I feel like he's really playing out some kind of dark stuff, and I, I don't see... Um, his uh, his Looney Tunes letting up immediately, in that sense. I feel like it eventually will when he when he settles and comes to some recognition of uh, some of this bad behavior. Because it, it I, I keep the words that keep coming into my head is acting out. So there's something that you know uh, he's he's been frustrated about the direction his life is taking. In some respects, he feels caged by it. So again, a lot of that's being blamed on you. In that respect, even though he made these choices, and I also feel there was certainly some genuinely good times and happy times that have been part of this structure. Really, when it when it when do you boil it down? Are you? Um, I mean, are you still in love with him? Well, yeah, but not with an angry person that's going to scream at me every right. second. But, but that wasn't him. That's what I, he, we went through a very stressful job situation, so that changed him for uh, temporarily. Right. I, well. I thought. Wasn't absolutely because um, I think that these are the those are the things that contributed to this. What I'm kind of picking up is I feel like you'll eventually have some healthy dialogue again, but honestly, I don't even feel that really coming clear up in, until about May or June. Okay, I thought you were going to take for another ten years. <laughs> oh no, no, it won't be it won't be quite that long. The tantrum will inevitably pass. I think what's going to kind of come out of this in that sense is. Um, I feel like um, you may find after this ordeal, even that when he calms down, there may be a part of you that's not really necessarily willing to all, even want to be with someone that is this angry. Oh, well, at this point, I'm wondering, how could someone even sanely act that way? I don't get it. Maybe it's a man. Yeah, well, I mean, it's typically, <laughs> yeah, the anger, is, the anger is internally directed. In that sense, um, and that's inevitably where it's going to go. But right now, it's coming out to be um, toward being thrown at you. I keep they, I keep hearing the words that there's a feeling like he. I hate to say this, but I I, I kept I don't want, I don't like to filter things. Like he feels like he he lost opportunity or he lost his life somehow with this. In that sense, so there's a there's an anger about the choices that he made. Right. Um, and so again, he's blaming you. So th- that I think what what you have to look at and what has to kind of be weeded out in that sense is is that recognition of of you know realizing that really in many ways in, in some respects this is the the truer self surfacing for him that he has been angry at some levels and has stuffed that in some respects. You, and again, I, I'm not saying this to even make you feel better. You're not the cause of it. This is his own. I mean, he couldn't be more literally playing out a, a midlife crisis. I know. He's so textbook. It's like, oh, my God. 
Yeah, I mean, it, like it's right. It's textbook. It's he's he's just playing it out. So he's not. I don't really feel like he's a cheater or anything like that. So it's not about that. It's more the energy of of resentment and feeling like you know what has he done with his life in that sense? Because I feel like the circumstances with the business and the job uh, made him feel somewhat powerless in that sense also. Yeah. So my advice and my suggestion here is I think that you should just kind of, to the best of your ability, really, really step away from this. I think inevitably you'll you'll come back to co-parenting and some type of, of functioning resolution. But I'll be honest with you, I think when all is said and done, you may just come to a real conclusion that you you don't want to deal with this crap anyway, even if he does calm down. It can be very hard to to uh, forgive someone who says really terrible things. You know what I mean? Like, it's good for our own well-being to forgive someone, but on the other side of it, we never will, in many cases, feel safe or trust them again. Yeah. Well. And that's what I mean. But the thing is, you, you know, you've known a lot, really, more of your marriage has, more of your life has been married than not married. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's something that you know very, very well. But I'll tell you, if you if you make the decision, you'll understand what I mean, you will be making the decision in that sense when it, when it comes down to it. If you make that decision, you will find that if you decide to be single and to not, you know, just to simply co-parent and th- theoretically be friends in that sense, that's, that's a limited word in that respect, you'll be surprised to find that you, you won't be unhappy. You won't. I mean, I think, like I said, that this is this is. I, I had an ex years ago that I lived with. Uh, we were together for three years, and I remember once sitting in the jacuzzi, and um, we were we were living together. We had been together for three years, and I remember this is my favorite little memories. I remember him saying to me, "I think I might move back to Florida." And I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, "You think you might be moving back to Florida?" He just dropped Where, it. Where does that leave me? My priority is the relationship. And that's because oh, I can't move to Florida. You know what I mean? And I remember, and something in me changed. I just thought to myself, you're not in this the way that I'm in it. Yeah. And what I don't know if I want to be with someone, yeah, who's not in it the same way. Right. What am I, chopped liver? Kind of that's the feeling I had. It's like, man, I was yeah. going to take care of him. Not once does he even think about me, ever. <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. I mean, again, I feel like this is just a series of, of almost tantrums. And he's he's playing at you're the bad one. I I mean I think he's uh, to a, to a lesser extent I think he might have been doing that somewhat with the kids. I think he's just perceiving this kind of lost life in that sense, and that's where he's angry. And really, that's incredibly insulting to you yeah. and your children and the family that you guys have. You follow me? Yeah, I know. I know. So. This is, I, I would say for you in that sense, um, again, I think it's going to come to a more peaceful place, but I think at that point that will be the shift for you when you're going to kind of go, I don't know if I want this in that sense. Um, he'll come inevitably, not yet. Again, I feel like it's a couple more months of that in that sense. But really the opportunity is really here for you to um, to look at what you want in your life in terms of being treated well. Yeah. So, you know, you'll, you'll get through it. That's what the rune is saying. It's the rune of growth. It actually means that this is, you know, this is the, uh, let me give the expression, the blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah. Because it All looks right. like that's a pile of shit, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing. 
You know, I mean, you'll find that to be the case. You know, and I, you know, it's funny because I, if, if anyone's listening to my past shows, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about how I don't really know anyone that didn't sort of get either the financial, emotional, or psychological, or all three um, ass kicked at some point in 2008, 2009, or 2010. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, <laughs> was tough, absolutely. Yeah, everyone kind of did, and I, I, I take this a lot to have to do with astrologically with Pluto having moved into Capricorn. It just changed the structure of things. It brought in more fear. It also, on the positive side, it brought up the idea that people would have to work for goals a lot harder. In that sense, yeah. Um, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, and 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 you know, but. Uh, it's inevitably positive. It just was a change as it moved out of Sagittarius, which is optimistic, into Capricorn, which is more cautious. So inevitably yeah, it's good, but it's still everyone kind of got, you know, it was like everyone went through some type of proverbial um, uh, tower experience, like from the Turo. Yeah. You know, yeah, where the my, whole my, is I got kicked emotionally, and then almost immediately after he did that to me, uh, he started getting kicked financially, like big time, like $100,000 yeah. tax bills and all sorts of crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, there's more of that ahead. That's what I mean. That's why I think that it will be tough to really, really put this back together the way that you, um, the way that you are, uh, you know, the, the the way that that it was before. It'll never be back where it was before. No, 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 no. Nor do I want it that way. God. No. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what will come clear. You know, um, just like I said, ask for ask for protection from spirit. And, and trust that there's a process going on here. Because this is really about you getting very, very clear about and really not letting anybody be, mistreat you in that sense. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Yep. Thank you so much. All right. All great right, talking to you. Uh, good luck with all of it, and, and have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Okay, let's see. Uh, let me get this quick. Okay, I'm seeing, I, I hear some... Talking. Let me say hello to everybody. Uh, one, thank you, Eileen, for that call. Uh, I always appreciate people really talking about their personal experiences, too, because I think it's valuable to everyone else to hear. Uh, hello, Tara One. Hello, Little Flower on the Lake. Um, hello, my other guest in there as well, too. Uh, guys, if you're, I don't know if you're having trouble with the sound. Uh, we seem to, uh, they seem to be broadcasting fine from this end, so you might want to just click back in and reboot um, and, and see whether you, you, you come back up that way too. But anyway, I'm saying hello to all of you guys. Uh, I'll type it in. I don't. I try not to type um, <laughs> while I'm on air because uh, I'm one of those type of people that, that often has difficulty juggling two things at once. So uh, anyway, uh, if, if you guys can hear me, again, hello. And again, I want to thank uh, Eileen for that call. Yeah, and I think she brought up a really, really valuable point that, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that the structure of marriage itself is, is very much radically changing. Uh, you know, people married for very different reasons and purposes, you know, hundreds of years ago. So there is a, um, you know, there's a difference in, in the structure of why we're getting married. I think that Really, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, in the next hundred years or so, too, what you're going to have is you're going to have maybe 20% of the population marrying at all. And I think you'll probably only have 15 to 20% of the population even necessarily having and producing children. Um, many people will still do it, and the, and the ones who do it should really want to do it and do a good job of it. Um, but uh, you know, for, for practical reasons, you know, that's not really a cynical statement. We We don't need marriage the way that we did in the past. 
And, you know, in terms of children, you know, the earth is very well populated and, and people's lifespans are coming, uh, lasting longer. I think a lot of people believe that they, they have to have children in order for fulfillment. Um, and I know that that can be, uh, you know, some people are just not wired for it in that sense. I mean, I think the people that are uh, really should do it, you know, or that really want to in that sense. But people should think about that a little more uh, thoroughly in that sense. Now, I, I was very glad to take Eileen's call. There was someone else on, uh, but they hung up, so uh, I'm going to just talk a little bit. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, no, I, and I'm laughing at what I see. In the, they're, they're asking in the, in the chat room, I'm asking, I hear about uh, someone's asking one of the other guests if they're the Florida hot tub guy. <laughs> I doubt that a lot. That he would be listening, and and let me also mention that too. This is a this will this will kind of add to the story about that relationship. That was one of the longest um, that was one of the longest relationships I had had, uh, quote unquote marriages. We had dated for three years a year, but we had lived together, and it was a really good relationship actually. In fact, I, I talked about some of that in my first book, Dirty Little Secrets. Um, and uh, if anyone ever wants to read my book. Uh, you can contact me. I'm, I'm doing a special for $12 on the book now, although there's a $3 uh, mailing cost, unfortunately. But uh, Or you can even get it on Amazon. But I talked a bit about that. And one of the things I have to say about that relationship, because, you know, like anybody, you know, you can go through a bitterness when you leave a relationship. But the truth is we had two really amazing years. Um, it was an awesome relationship uh, w- with that ex. Uh, he was a great guy, and we had uh, really two two really excellent years. The last year when we lived together, that was more my idea, and he never really wanted it, um, and uh, and and he was kind of miserable um, uh, the whole time in that sense. Um, so it was one of those things. But I have no animosity at any level toward this ex. I mean, I think he his 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 suggesting we break up that way, passive aggressively was really kind of a good thing in that sense because we were not meant to stay together past that due point. So, no, I, you know, I, I, I'll always love that ex, you know what I mean? But, you know, my other theory, if anyone's ever heard my, my, my joke about how I say all exes get hit with the ugly stick, and <laughs> what I mean by that is I think that when you end a relationship after a brief period, you're not really attracted to the person anymore. You know, when love, love's light goes out, you're not, you know what I mean, then, then you know, you, you're just not as googly-eyed as you were. And I think that that's natural, you know what I mean? I would never go back to an ex. I never have. I never will. But it's not out of anger. It's just that because it doesn't fit anymore in that sense, and the relationship really had run its course. You know, even with Eileen's question, if this relationship comes to an end in, in that context, and it sounds like it very well may be, um, then it really ran its course. It was enough. And again, interesting timing with the youngest being 18 or so, because maybe it is time for her really to kind of find her own life in that sense. And um, she'll be happy, you know what I mean, and probably happier in that respect. I mean, just, you know, in reality, very few things last forever in that sense. Um, okay, so let me see. Uh, I want to talk about some of the comments in the chat. I always appreciate the, the comments, and I like to kind of answer them on air. So, Turo One, uh, your book is out. Very good. Uh, why don't you put a little plug for your book up in the chat room here so people can know what it is and where they can get it. Okay, come on. Let's do some shameless promotion here. I'm sure it's quite good. So, uh, anyway, congratulations on that. I know it's a lot of work doing a book. I am... Uh, 
I just finished my second book, which is Snake Oil Volume 1, even though I've got like four more pieces of the book that I'm waiting on a friend of mine to finish editing. Um, he is a very talented editor, editor but a, a tad um, irascible sometimes in, in his approach to things. Uh, really, uh, he's Sagittarius and Pisces combined together, so he's an awesome dude, but he just drives me nuts sometimes with his reliability. Um, anyway, uh, so I'm getting, I'm in the process of doing that. I, I, I self-published my first book, Dirty Little Secrets, and I think that I'm going to look for a publisher for Snake Oil Volume 1. Um, I really enjoyed the self-publishing process, but marketing is, oh God, it's just such a pain. You know what I mean? To, to have the time, the energy to do it in that sense. So uh, getting a publisher and letting them do your marketing for you makes more sense. I'm actually also started a third book, um, although I'll even have a fourth by within a year or two because I'll be able to do Snake Oil Volume 2 since I have so many columns already. But the third book that I started, I want to mention, a completely different subject category we're looking at here. Some of you may get a kick out of this. Um, the book is called Free Ride, and it is a book on teaching people how to do casino and Vegas gambling and, um, and how to get free comps and how to get a lot of freebies and how to do that uh, for next to nothing, for minimal amounts of cost. Uh, it, it's one of my areas of, of practical play that I've done for years, and um, I, I'm quite good at um, about uh, about getting free hotel rooms and getting free food and all kinds of things, uh, uh, all kinds of things like that. So we're actually uh, working on on free ride. In fact, I'll probably do a radio show on it and a, a blog talk on that as well. Too, a lot of people are interested in the subject. I have stacks of free um, coffee makers and toaster ovens and all kinds of things that I got free from the casino. And I, I go to Vegas about five to seven times a year, and I have not paid for a room since 1999 in a hotel. I always get free rooms as well. Now, you do pay for it because you gamble, but you have to. there's a way to do that relatively inexpensively and keep your name on the welcome mat. So that's kind of the other book I'm working on. So Turo One put their little plug for their book up. Awesome. I will check that out myself as well, too. I encourage everyone to take a look at that also. And you're absolutely right. Uh, guest 2429, you're right. Publishers are definitely going to expect you to do a lot of marketing as well, too. Um, yeah, absolutely. Something I've got to, like I said, do from my past book and will we'll do even if I get a publisher for this next book. But it is. It's a lot of work to do that. You know, and to uh, and to go through that that particular type of a process, uh, um, and so guess twenty four twenty nine. Great question. How much do you have to lose gambling to get the free rooms and the stuff? Though, you know, here's the the reality of the situation: is the way the casinos are designed is you cannot really gamble and not lose money. I mean, I find that I probably lose three out of four of my trips. But for instance, I was in Vegas uh, a month ago and. I was able to get in a slot tournament where I got um, $125 in free play. I had comped rooms. I was able to go to the spas at Caesars Palace for next to nothing. Uh, again, food comped, all of those things. And I was there for uh, four days, four nights. I drove in this case because it's only about a four-and-a-half-hour drive to Vegas from Phoenix. And uh, the entire trip cost me $227. Um, so, yeah, in this case, I got off painfully cheap. But, yes, you can uh, – the key is really – there's a couple of things, and this is one of the things we'll talk about in this book. 
up is you want to um if you're going to play you you really you want to be able to play for a while but play low stakes i mean the biggest issue is people will play a penny slot game and you know you can bet like 25 30 cents a spin and uh the casino looks at the amount of activity not necessarily as much as what you spend, although they do look at what you spend. So if you resist the urge to bump up your bets to three dollars a spin, you know you can often play for you know three four hours on forty bucks. So and then get a lot of fun out of it. Um, another thing is things like blackjack and craps are also um, ways to play very very inexpensively. You can play five dollar blackjack tables, and often if you know how to play blackjack, play for hours and lose nothing. Because the house advantage is only about one percent on on blackjack, so yeah, the, the key is you have to control that impulse to say, well, if I bet more, I can win bigger. No, you have to remember that you're not in the long run, you're not going to win, but you can get by and spend very little and get a lot of freebies and comps out of it and and have a good time if you're able to control it. And, you know, the one thing I always tell people is if you if you've got issues with addiction, then gambling is not going to be in your best interest. I'm very lucky. It, you know, I can go with a hundred bucks and play for, you know, for five or six hours and, and smoke a cigar or two and have a uh, drink and a coffee, and really enjoy the play of it in that sense. So no, I, absolutely, the worst I've ever done on a four-day Vegas trip is to drop eight hundred. That's the worst I've ever done, um, and and that's even really pretty tame because if you went to Jamaica or the Bahamas you for four days and four nights you'd probably easily spend, you know, uh six, eight hundred dollars if not more. So good point. But uh yeah, it you gotta really, really know what you're doing there. Uh okay, so I wanna uh I want to uh <laughs> bargain hunting addiction instead of gambling addiction, Jim. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate that comment. You know, it's very funny. I was raised by a, a my my mom was uh, my mom's a hundred percent German, and when we were kids, my mom was like a, a coupon clipper and a bargain hunter, and she was just tremendously talented at stretching um, a budget to to raise and take care of seven kids. So I learned that. In fact, I but in my case, I applied it. I, I mean, I do in terms of shopping as well. I'm very frugal, but I even did that in the casino. That's why we're writing this book. I'm working with a friend of mine on writing this book. In fact, we're going to get the casinos, but lots of freebies in the book itself, free play and things as well so people can make out that way uh, in addition but um i learned absolutely how to do that type of stuff and still do it and again i just applied it to gambling so like i said i'll sit next to someone who's dropping 150 dollars and i'll have gone through 15 dollars in the same amount of time and they're just looking at me like well what if you had bet more you would have won a bit bigger on that i don't care that much about the winning um it's just the game itself is so enjoyable so absolutely you know thrift stores Bargain hunting, it's really a strategy game and really, really fun. And something, like I said, I learned uh, um, from, uh, from from a mother who was really, really skilled at it. And now my, my dad is deceased and my mother um, is very comfortable financially. My dad invested well. So my mother still, in her late 70s, is a bargain hunter. She's hysterical. Meanwhile, she's got plenty of money for the rest of her life, <laughs> but she's still a bargain hunter. I go to uh, every... Uh, Every like about month and a half, I go to the dollar store too, and I just buy a lot of crap uh, in that sense at the dollar store. Uh, it's a great way to go for a lot of things. Well, you got to be really uh, selective about what you buy there. Uh, question: Do I ride the canal in the Venetian? I have never done that. Um, I am uh, primarily in the Harris system, so I usually stay at Bally's or Caesars or uh, Paris. 
um, or the Hard Rock or even Harris itself because I'm in a Harris system, and that's where I typically get my free rooms. So, now I've been to some of the, I've seen, I've been to Vegas many times. I've seen quite a bit of it. Okay, looks like we are, uh, we're running out of time here. I've only got another minute, so... Um, let me finish up here uh, and thank uh, everyone, all my, my guests in my chat room. As always, always good seeing you guys. And uh, Turo One and uh, all of you guys, uh, all my guests, as well as I appreciate Eileen's call. Um, I will be here again next week. We have a great show next week. I will be doing an interview show with uh, Danny Richard and Wendy Reese, who run a yoga fitness studio here in Phoenix, and they will both be on for an hour show. Uh, so you can follow and talk to them. Um, they're both writers as well and some really interesting people to talk to. So next week will be our uh, our interview show. Uh, then the following Thursday is my, uh, I always do a, uh, the, my guests can uh, decide what they want to talk about. So that's a great time to call in, ask questions, and, uh, and chat as usual, my third show of the month. Same with the fourth. A lot more sh- uh, time for, for phone calls and, and questions as well. So very much appreciate everyone checking in, and hopefully we will see you again. Oh, we'll see you again next week. I actually might be switching over to adding Skype in the next couple of months too and go live that way. We'll see how that all pans out. If you're not already receiving my uh, monthly column, email me, guys, uh, VenturaSag at Yahoo.com or VenturaWords at Mac.com. You can go to our website and check out uh, private sessions and books and classes and all of that good stuff. And uh, thank you, everyone, for being here, and I will hopefully see or talk to you all again next week. Cheers.